0: Hi, I'm Steve Costa. This is Hassle Talks, a podcast series exploring the diverse perspectives, open-minded collaborations and creative thoughts that we know will be key to navigating the increasing complexities of our world. We've been thinking about the future a lot at Hassle because with things changing the way they are so much, even before COVID-19 <laughs> arrived we've been putting a lot of thought into what kind of design firm might be needed for the future and how that might be different from design firms that have been needed in the past. And that, of course, provides massive opportunities for designers because potentially design becomes more important than ever in the world. Um, But it's also a challenge in terms of design talent, what people might – Want or need or be looking for in a career as designers and the sorts of skills and capabilities they might need in the future. So I'm super happy to be joined today by Jan Owen, who's the co chair and convener of Learning Creates Australia. She's a patron of Good Design Australia. Until recently, she was the CEO for the Foundation for Young Australians for 10 years she's been named one of Australia's true leaders in 2018 and and awarded a member of the Order of Australia in 2000. And Jan, you've spent a lot of your life thinking about the future and how the future will be different and why that will need different skills, different capabilities and a different kind of education in particular. Can you tell me a bit about your journey and how you got into this space?
1: That is such a brilliant question, Steve. (laughs) You know, I think that most of it was through two avenues. Number one was um, I was a failed student, like epically failed, not just a little bit failed but like thrown out of three high schools, you know, went to university three times and dropped out. I mean, I am the only qualification I actually have is my driver's licence.
0: So you were an authentic critic of education from the very beginning. (laughs) Authentic. I lived it
1: as a critic. And um, so it wasn't that I was doing nothing at school. I was doing a heap of things at school. It's just that there was no way that the school could actually warrant that in any way or give that any kind of credence or articulate that into my learning. Because the backdrop to that, of course, was that I was um, in a family that was highly academic. And I mean, you know, my father was a professor. My father worked with Hewlett Packard on the very first computer that was for retail in the world. Um, He was a chemist. So I was in this, you know, quite very scientific family and I was the absolute outlier. So although I was doing things, there was no understanding of that in my family and there was no recognition of it in the system. So I guess that sat with me. Um, but then I started to work with children and young people and that was really my um, really my working life was spent a lot of time around advocating particularly for those young people who were on the margins, for instance, with children and young people in foster care or state care. Um, And so in that process of seeing the world from the perspective of, I guess, the most marginalised and the most vulnerable, um, you start to see pretty quickly where the gaps are and where the inequalities are.
0: And where the traditional system is sort of biased.
1: And where the traditional system just doesn't meet people. Um, So it's not... doesn't just not meet kind of unconventional learners, it also specifically in a very systemic way doesn't meet the kind of people on the margins. Um, And fast forward, I guess, I... um Then ended up at, after working with children and young people in state care, after working at Social Ventures Australia, helping kind of start the social investment kind of movement and entrepreneurial movement in Australia, um, I then ended up at the Foundation for Young Australians. And that's where I think I kind of brought it all together. And we doubled down for about six or seven years on research about what the future would look like for young people.
0: So tell me a bit more about that because that's the stuff that really became really topical, right, mm-hmm. it, 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 timely in the sense that just at the time people were starting to see that the future of work could be quite different, mm-hmm. you guys were, had, had looked right into it and yeah. had a real platform to talk about it.
1: I think what we decided to do was uh, think about our role as the foundation for young Australians and think about the future. So sort of now and next um, rather than just the present and dealing with present issues. And that led us to look at two things. Number one, the broader landscape. So where uh, were we in Australia? How were young people faring just generally and intergenerationally? So compared to their parents at the same age and stage, where were they? An extremely um, kind of catastrophically... Um, I think, uh, difficult piece of work because there was a huge wake-up call in that piece of work that said, um, and this is five years ago, that our young people were um, in no way under on any um, measures uh, as well off as their parents were at the same age and stage. Now, there's only one intergenerational promise, Steve.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's only one you know, you'd leave it better for the people behind you. Yep. On every measure, young people were actually worse off. Um, and then I think we started to think about, well, where are the things that you really can make a difference? And one of those is obviously in work because work is more than just the thing you do to earn money. We were watching a generation looking for very different things in work. We were watching a generation looking for meaning and purpose and things that were absolutely never discussed by their parents or their grandparents. We saw the gap in what was on offer in the education system and then we saw what was coming, the kind of new economy, the future issues, the kind of global inequality. We saw what was going on in terms of the environment. Uh, we saw that in Australia we had an aging population, where by twenty, you know, forty, there'll be more over sixty fives than under twenty fives in this country. Like we just saw these huge trends, and we said we've got to, we've got to really start looking at what it means to work, and what it means to be educated, and what it means to thrive and succeed.
0: You know, you can look at this at a societal level or a systemic level from education or you can look at it in a really organisational level, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what should organisations be thinking about because of what you've learnt along the way? What, what is it that they need to think more about than they have in the past?
1: There are three things that I think were really, really interesting. I think the number one was um, we expect a 15-year-old today to have you know, up to 17 jobs in five different industries. Um, But, of course, that doesn't translate into 17 different degrees. It doesn't translate into 17 actual different jobs. It just – our research really said that you're going – the tasks are going to change inside those jobs and you will change industries. And so that's very, very different. That is a transition from the kind of career ladder that certainly my parents sort of went on and where you kind of, you went to the bottom of the ladder, you spent your whole life, climbing the ladder relentlessly and that's very, very different to what we could see which was what we would describe now as a career portfolio and on the way there's a kind of a jungle gym in the middle there. (laughs) Um, What was great about that theme is whenever we went to students and said so, you know, there's this ladder thing, invisible, invisible, you sort of go on it relentlessly and that's sort of one path or there's the jungle gym where you might go in and out and up and down and through and back and forwards You know, what what sort of sounds interesting, like nine out of ten would say I'll take the jungle gym. Just that idea of it being more expansive and more interesting I think was good. So that was one big theme. So this transition from career, ladder to career, portfolio I think is huge. The other distinguishing feature of our research was that we went to the demand side, you know, straight up at the front end of this. We didn't sort of go and play around in education. We kind of went to what's being required. Um, so I think there's two things. Number one is something you said before, which is the intersection of all of the um, skills and capabilities. You could call it um, careers or you could call it roles. Or you could, but just that intersection, I mean, we've always said it. I've always thought that the best solutions are going to come from not just cross-sectoral partnerships but from cross-discipline, multi-discipline, undisciplined you know you name it so that intersection is really 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 important and the skills to work in that intersection are profoundly different to a skill that you need in a silo or purely technical Um, so that's part of the new and I think that's why those so-called soft skills which are now the hard skills come into play because it doesn't matter if you are a genius um, you know, mechanical engineer, if you can't work, and this is always the case, by the way, except that there's a lot more people in the room, if you can't work across all the disciplines and effectively, um, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. It genuinely doesn't. You will not get the gig. You, you will not be on the next project team, etc., etc. et cetera. So um, I think that's a really key part of this story is how have you got the people who are adaptive enough to work in different contexts very authentically uh, with a sense of security (laughs) about what their technical skills are but a huge sense of openness and adaptability about how you're going to do things. Because it seems to me that we know why now, we know what the big issues are, we have a huge amount of the what, we have the tools, the know-how, we actually have... More intelligent people on the planet than there have ever been on the planet. It seems to me that the question is how, and how is going to be the thing that makes or breaks us. The second theme we know is that we've got like a triple threat we've got underutilization, unemployment, and underemployment right now. Very serious. Um, and so, but this whole story about talent and how do you find talent how do you nurture talent what is your mindset about talent I mean this is a huge thing and it must come out of the um, you know the beautiful hallowed halls of HR it must it must be a thing that is actually spoken about at the board level and all the way through an organization all the time what are we doing? How are we doing? Have we got best practice? Have we gone and asked the last people in to tell the first people in how things could be done differently?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right at the front of every conversation um, about how to set our firm up in the right way for the future. I mean, the, the fundamental lever, or one of at least one of the main fundamental levers, is trying to get your head around. Um, what kind of people they will need to be, how to attract them, how to develop them, how to empower and yeah. inspire them to yeah. do what they already want to do, but yeah. how do you give them a platform that's suitable for doing it? And, and it's, it's really challenging to think about. I think that's why I like the notion of thinking about a future generation by thinking about young people is it sort of forces you to think further ahead and not just a small iteration. Yes. You know, it's not about a few yeah. development programs. Yeah. It's actually a, a whole different set yeah. of people and how will they be different and how will your organisation need to be different yeah. to unlock that potential because yeah. that's really the task. Yeah. And, if you, and if you don't provide them with the right kind of platform, you simply mm-hmm. won't get them wanting to come mm-hmm. and be part of your organisation and then yeah. you're in real trouble. Yeah, that's true. So um, it, it really is, I mean, it's a, massive, it's a massive challenge.
1: I mean, all bets are off at the moment about many, many, many things.
0: Because of COVID-19 <laughs> well, how you're are we going to
1: work and, you know, but also um, what has emerged, of course, in every crisis is the kind of, you know, the kind of don't waste an opportunity mantra. Um, and so what are the things that were unimaginable that happened and how do you keep that window open long enough to um, make sense of them? Just, you don't have to do anything. Nobody's going to say change your entire organisation because you did one thing differently, but it's about that sense-making. You know, The design principle of kind of discovery and immersion is so powerfully important right now because you slam the window and then you're kind of done You know, for another 10 years or something. So there's something here about um, what are all the experiments that have been done, um, how do we curate them, understand them, capture them, how do we... Um, empower actually our new and young and coming through talent to have a look at those and kind of make sense of them and think about what are the fail-fast but safe experiments that could happen. And um, in every organisation in the world, that's a conversation that should be going on.
0: Sometimes you find people who are resistant to that idea of another generation being invited into the conversation but for me like this is where it comes to a leadership question about custodianship not you know control right like I think most of the good leaders talk about feeling a sense of temporary custodianship for something for a period of time that you should leave better off than when you you came to it um so, the challenge for me is always thinking, okay, well, five to ten years from now, and in my case, thinking about hassle, five to ten years from now, who the hell will be around this table then and will that be better than what we've got now? Because if, if it's not, we haven't done what we needed to do. And so, it that brings it all very starkly into contrast because if you're not engaging with what skills they're going to need in the future environment, if you're not thinking about how to help them consciously build their confidence and capability to, to play that role, um, you're going to end up going backwards um, in the future instead of going forwards. So that usually is enough to make people think, yeah, wow, actually we, we need to engage with these people straight away like right now because every day we don't is another day that – we're missing an opportunity for them to grow into that space.
1: I think that's right and it comes back to that mindset thing that we talked about because you you do need to help people shift um, through stages and we are very poor at this kind of transitioning and eldership and... Uh, marking time in places for people, except the gold pen. There's something that we're missing, and so organisations that do have strong cultures and do have people that may stay intergenerationally, there's a real opportunity to get this right, mm. actually, and to think about. And I like to think about it in terms of regeneration, not intergeneration. What mm. is the regeneration program here, and how do you help the the, the older trees, you know, nurture the younger shoots and regeneration of people and time and talent is absolutely critical and where is the best use for that talent that we have and how can it um you know how can we build the best intergenerational teams based on mindsets not based on ages
0: i'd like to link that to something you said earlier about the platform that you set for young people Mm -hmm. um Because we've done a few interesting things in that space which we found really rewarding as a firm. Like most firms, you know, we get our our principal level people together once or twice a year for a sort of principals conference or a partners conference and that's sort of fairly predictable. But we got a lot of value out of that as a peer group and so we realised that maybe the younger people in the business would also get something yeah. out of that, which was a sort of breakthrough moment, isn't it? Um, so we right. started a program of, of every year um, flying, um, you know, 30 or so of, of the up-and-coming future leaders of the firm together from all around the world and getting them together. And it, it's been fascinating to see the energy and thinking Um, And perspectives and challenge that has come out of that forum for us as a firm you know I think it's one of the best things we do every year because it really makes you stop and think whether you're engaged with the right issues in the right way it's it's always challenging not in a not in a difficult way but Mm. just progressive um Mm. and um forcing us to keep Looking ahead, which yeah. is really good, and then recently we um, at the at the principals conference, the main leadership conference, we gave an open session to some people from the Next Gen yeah. Forum right. and said they could talk about whatever they thought they should talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, what message would you get across to the leaders of the organisation? And it was fantastic, and the kinds of challenges that they posed were exactly as you were saying before. They were big, integrated, holistic, existential questions. You know, these are people saying we're not here because we're interested in designing intricate objects. You know, we're here because we can see an opportunity to engage with Mm. ecology and the environment, Mm. to engage with the economy, to engage with societal problems through the form of our cities, places and how they get used... Um, that's what we want to get our hands on, you know, and which is exactly what you're talking about. It's like, if that's what you want to get your hands on, then you have to have a skill set that's about collaboration and facilitation and multidisciplinary thinking and mindset because you can't even start unless you've got it.
1: Yeah, that's what that's fantastic that they had that platform and that you did it. It was a little bit scary. Them. Yeah, I know. Everyone, all the, all the principals like, what are they going to say? What are they going to shoot us down? But they didn't, you see, because they're brilliant and they went to the next level. You know, I think that there's such a message around kind of I, – I always think about these three things all the time when I'm thinking about the kind of next generation of employers. I always think about autonomy, mastery and meaning. Like they're the big – if you can deliver those things, if you can deliver the degree of autonomy that, you know, you can – work on a project and get it done and see it all the way through and not be a widget in a machine, that's hugely meaningful um, and giving that sense of responsibility to a team and being part of that. Mastery is a, um, you know, we went, we've went, we gone through this kind of uh, strange world or time where we're kind of brilliant at just sort of just enough social media is the best example of this right um and but the idea of mastery that the lost idea of mastery
0: real deep deep, real deep expertise
1: knowledge and expertise and thinking and all that comes with that the discipline that comes with that i think is going to be um serve people really well actually in the future um and then meaning to your point about what these Younger people, the next gen, were saying we want to do things which are meaningful and will have a meaningful impact on the world and that is that egocentric to ecocentric (laughs) organisations, that's an individual but an organisational and almost a societal shift actually that needs to take and that we're in Mm. and you can see it, right, when you talk to those...
0: Well, thanks, Jan, for your time. It's great to have spent time talking to you. I could have spent all day talking to you, actually. I'm Steve Costa and you've been listening to an episode of Hassle Talks. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to hear more, please subscribe and check out our other episodes. Thanks for listening.